Hey guys, hey, if, uh, hey, I want to welcome you guys today. If today is your very first time here, my name is Mark. I'm the lead pastor, and we're excited to have you guys here this morning. I see several new faces. If you are new, we've got a free gift for all of our first-time guests, and we just want to say thanks for coming today. And so if you're brand new to Summit, we've got a free gift. All you got to do is uh, take the connection card. You saw it in the video there. Take that. Fill it out as much as you'd like. Take it to the welcome area after service. We've got a free gift. Love to give you. Won't take but a second. And if you have been coming a little bit, and I've never met you, never got to shake your hand, I would love to meet you today and just say thank you for coming. I'll be at the welcome area after church. I want to mention a couple of things really quick before we pray and dive into some things. Uh, I want to mention that, uh, that this week, this Thursday at uh, 6 o'clock, we are kicking off Celebrate Recovery. And so Celebrate Recovery is going to begin this Thursday at 6 p.m., Right here in this room, Celebrate Recovery is uh, Celebrate Recovery the way that they put it there for any hang-ups, habits, and uh, just really any, any issue in your life. So uh, addiction, but also mental health and all kinds of different things. Now, now, maybe you're hearing this and you're thinking, well, that's not really something that I need. Well, here's what I want to ask our church to do. If you are hearing this and you're thinking, you know what, I might not need to go to this or that might not be something I'm interested in, I bet you know somebody that does. And so you're going to begin to see some things that we're going to share online this week. Would you share those and help us spread the word about it? All right, even if you plan on coming or not. I had some people ask me about it after the first service. It's going to meet Thursday night at 6 right here. Uh, But even if you don't plan on coming, please share it when you see it online just to help us get the word out for people who uh, need to be a part of it, all right? Hey, right after church, also right over here at our student ministry wall, uh, Myrtle is going to be there. Myrtle, would you wave at the crowd? There you go. She's waving at you. And uh, she is uh, planning uh, a large decoration, uh, 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 something really big for Easter coming up. She's gonna, they're going to build an empty tomb and all kinds of things. It's going to be pretty awesome. If you want to help with that, it's going to be a pretty big project. She'll be at the student ministry wall after service. Uh, she also told me to ask if anybody has like any trees, you know, like trees that look real, that sort of thing, or anything like that they could possibly use uh, to see her. If you want to be a part of that, help out with that. She's going to be right out there at the student ministry wall right after church, all right? Now, um, another thing that I'm going to pray is we're in a series called Above All Things, and one of the things we're doing with this series is every single day we're putting out devotionals uh, that online, uh, on social media, we put it out on all kinds of different places in our app. And every single day it's something for us, not just to read, but something to do during this series. Today is day 12 of Above All Things. And today what we are doing is we are praying not just for our church, but every church in our community. Uh, because we believe that we're not in competition with other churches. We believe that we are on the same team as every single church that lifts up, loves, and worships Jesus. Every church that loves Jesus, preaches Jesus, is on Jesus's mission. We are on the same team. We're not in competition. We're on the same team as them. Amen? And so we're going to pray. We just in the 930. We're going to do it right now. Uh, We're going to pray, but we're not going to pray just for us. We're going to pray for all churches uh, because we want to see God send a revival to this whole community. And listen, church, if God were to do that, that wouldn't be limited to just this church. You know that, right? That would impact all churches. So we want to see all churches impacted, all right? Uh, And so so we're going to pray, and I'm going to lead us, and uh, we're going to ask God to bless and move in the churches in our community and for God to speak to us today, all right? So let's pray. Jesus, right now we come to you, God, in your name, and we thank you, God, just for the opportunity to be here, God. We, we, God, it's, it's a privilege to come here today, and so, Father, I pray that we would know that, that, God, you'd wake us up if we're distracted or other things on our mind. Jesus, help us to see right now you're here, and you've got us here because you want to speak to us. So, God, wake us up. Help us to hear everything that you have to say, and God, we pray that you would move 
in our midst. God, but not just here in this place. God, we pray for every church in our community today. God, we are part of the kingdom of God. And so, Father, no matter what the name says on the door of the sign outside, Father, for every church that loves and lifts up Jesus, Father, we pray for them. We pray, God, that that church would have a strong impact in our community. God, we pray for churches, Jesus, to be protected from the enemy. Their leadership will be protected from the enemy. I pray, God, for unity in every church and that there will be unity among every single church. God, I know that there are churches right now who are looking for pastors. God, I think about Hazard First Baptist and God, that you would guide them. God, that you would uh, continue to bless their uh, bless journey as they just launched a campus in Leatherwood. God, that you would bless that. There'd be fruit from that, Father, and continue to give them vision. Give every single church vision from you and faith to follow through on that vision. So Father, I pray that you would send a revival to change this community. Jesus, we say it all the time, what our community needs is you. And so, Jesus, would you send a revival, an awakening, a true God awakening to this community, to eastern Kentucky, and God, that it wouldn't be limited to just one church, but it would impact every single church, that the kingdom of God would come to eastern Kentucky, and that eastern Kentucky would look more like heaven because of what you're doing. And so, God, do that for your glory. Father, speak to us right now. God, open up our hearts and our minds. God, thank you that you are here with us right now speaking already. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Now, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to play a game with you. We're going to do a test, okay? Now, here's what I need you to do for me. I'm going to show you a picture on screen. Don't show it yet. Wait for me to give the cue here. I'm going to show you a picture on screen, and as soon as you see it, you're going to have an opinion about who it is. And every single one of us, we're all, everybody's going to say the exact same person. But I don't want you to say it out loud. I want you to keep it to yourself, okay? So, so you understand the game we're about to play? I'm going to show you a picture. Don't say who you think it is out loud. Everyone will have the same opinion. Trust me. But don't say it out loud. Keep it to yourself, okay? Go ahead and bring it up. Now, don't say it out loud, but who is that? Don't say it out loud. Who is that? Okay, now, we're all saying the same thing, aren't we? We're all saying, let's all say it together. That is, it's Jesus. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. That's not Jesus. I know in the 930, people were shocked. It was wild. The air sucked out of the room. That's actually not Jesus. You know, there's some disagreement. There's some disagreement among historians, theologians, Bible scholars about when this became the accepted picture, especially in the West, that we use of Jesus. But every single historian, Bible scholar, theologian, you know, archaeologist, people who study the ancient Near East, that sort of thing, every single person is in deep agreement that that's not Jesus. And the reason we know that's not Jesus is because Jesus was a Jew from the Middle East. So what that would mean is Jesus' skin would be much darker than the skin of the individual that's in this picture. Jesus probably would have had some kind of facial hair. We don't know if he would have had a full beard. He would have had some kind of facial hair. And we at least know that, that, that Jesus' hair wouldn't have been as nice and neat as this guy because from the Gospels, we don't get a lot of time of Jesus at the barber shop, if you know what I'm saying, Right? And, and, so, and so, so Jesus probably didn't look like this. We know at least there were massive differences between the real Jesus and the picture that we use. Coincidentally, if you go to other places in the world, their image that they use of Jesus is different from the one that we use in the West. And so everybody is in agreement at least. You know what? That's a view of Jesus. It's not him. Every one of us in the room has a view of Jesus. 
Everybody in the room has a view, has an idea about, about Jesus. And here's the thing that I want you to try to grab. I want to spend a couple of minutes with you trying to help us to grab one idea. And it's just simply this, that your view of Jesus will determine what you think he can do in your life and in the world. Let me say that again. Your view of Jesus will determine what you think he can do in your life and in the world. Your view of Jesus will determine whether or not you think you should worship him. Your view of Jesus will determine whether or not you think you should pursue him. You know, we're in a series called Above All Things. What we're learning in this series is that we need to put Jesus above all things. Well, your view of Jesus will determine whether or not you really think that he deserves that position. Jesus, at one point in the Gospels, gets the disciples together. And if you are familiar with the Bible, even if you're not, you've probably heard this. Jesus asks the disciples one time, he says, who do people say that I am? And there begins this conversation about who the people at that time say Jesus was. You know what? That's still a really good question, isn't it? Who do you say Jesus is? Maybe another way we could say it is who does your life say Jesus is? Not the lips that you have, not the words that you say. Who does your life say Jesus is? Because can I just be honest honest with you for a minute? If I'm honest with you, This morning, there are times when what I say about Jesus doesn't match the life that I live. Does that make sense? That the things that I say about Jesus don't match the life that I live. So I can stand up on this stage with a microphone and I can preach sermons all day long about how you ought to trust God. God knows your needs. God can meet your needs. And I can walk off this stage and somebody send me a text message about something and I can lose my ever-loving mind freaking out wondering if we're going to be okay. Right? I can stand up on the stage, I can preach for weeks long about how God is in control of everything. And man, if I was honest with you, there's a lot of times when I'm not on this stage that I'm scared to death, that I'm afraid, I'm filled with fear. See, there are gaps in my life between what I say and how I live. So enough about me, let's talk about you. Do you have gaps in your life? A gap between what you say and how you live. Because here's the thing. The gaps in our lives come from our view of Jesus. And when, and when I say view of Jesus, don't think view of Jesus that's here in your head. Don't think Sunday school answers, your theological answers. Don't think what's in your head, that's your view of Jesus. That's not what I'm talking about. Because how many people know there's a difference between what's in your head versus what's in your heart? You know what I'm talking about? You can say you believe one thing, but your heart says something different. And the gaps, what God does is God brings us into situations where those gaps in our lives are revealed so that we can see our real view of Jesus. So our gaps are our fears, our insecurities, the things that trigger us, the things that make us angry, the things that even bring us joy, kind of like what we talked about last week. You know, if we don't go to God to fill us, we'll just go to something else. And so there's gaps in our lives. And what God wants to do, and I think what God wants to do today, is God wants to begin to fill some of the gaps in our lives. Not only that, I think that God might reveal to a lot of us today gaps in our lives that we didn't even know that we had. And the way that God wants to do that is God wants to challenge us about our view of Jesus. Not change it here, change it here. All right? And the way that God's going to do that 
is in one of the most powerful passages in the entire Bible about Jesus, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. So if you've got a Bible open, uh, go ahead and, uh, if you've got a Bible, rather, go ahead and open it up, rather, turn it on to Colossians 1. We're going through the book of Colossians in this series, above all things. Last week, we did the first 14 verses of chapter 1. Today, we'll be in verses 15 through 23. Colossians chapter 1, 15 through 23. Now, now here's what you need to know. This was, a, this was actually a hymn that early Christians would have sang about Jesus. We don't know what the tune or the melody or anything like that was. We just know they sang it because they wanted to memorize it. They wanted to make sure it went from here to here. And, and so, so here's what I want us to do. We're about to say some really big, massive, lofty things about Jesus. Man, this is one of my most favorite passages in the entire scripture. I love what we're about to read. And so I don't want us to sit there. I want us to stand up as we read the word of God today. So let's all stand out of reverence for reading God's word, all right? We're standing because this is God's word and God is talking, all right? Colossians chapter 1, words are going to be on the screen, follow along in your Bibles. Colossians 1, 15 through 23. He, Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach, or your Bible, might say without accusation, above reproach or without accusation before God, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. It's God's word. You can be seated. And I love what we read here. So, so here's what I want to do. Before we dig down and really apply this and see how this lands in our lives, I just want to go through this. And honestly, I just want to go through it line by line because we got to see what he's saying here about Jesus, all right? Because God wants to fill some gaps and change our view of who Jesus is. So, so he starts out here in verse 15. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So what that means is this. It's not enough to say that Jesus was a wise man or a prophet. Jesus was God. Jesus said he was God. God. He claimed to be God. So one thing that makes Christianity rather different from all other religions and faith around the world is Jesus didn't just claim to speak for God. Jesus said he was God. Do you see the difference? Right? Jesus didn't simply claim to speak for God. Jesus said he was God. If you want to see God, look at Jesus. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities. He's the firstborn of all creation, meaning that Jesus is greater than anything else that God's made. I mean, Paul is reaching back to Genesis 1 here. See, Jesus wasn't actually born on Christmas. Did you know that? Right? 
It's not all of a sudden there was no Jesus, and then at Christmas, Advent, we celebrate Jesus' birth, and that's when he started to exist. Listen, Jesus is God. He's always existed. Jesus was God and with God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, before there was creation. But out of everything that God made, Jesus is the greater than all creation. And God's agent through whom he created everything was Jesus. Jesus created everything, seen, visible, invisible, on heaven and earth. He created angels. He created grass. He created the sky. He created the solar system. He created the galaxies. He created you and me. Jesus made all of it. All things were made through him, Paul says, and for him. See, when Paul says that, that answers two of the most fundamental questions that all humanity asks. Every single person, Christian or not, doesn't matter what, doesn't matter what you believe. At some time in your life, you are going to ask one of these two questions. Does my life matter and why am I here? And Paul answers both of those right here. First question, does my life matter? Look at how Paul answers it. All things were created through Jesus. Does my life matter? Your life matters. You were made by God. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. You're not unplanned. You're not worthless. It doesn't matter what anybody says to you. You are special and unique, and you are made by God. I mean, you might be sitting there, you're watching online, and you're thinking, listen, Mark, I'm at the end of my rope. Why should I keep living? Why should I continue living when I don't want to? Does my life matter? Your life matters, church, because you were made by God. And then he goes on, he talks about purpose. He says, here's purpose, that we were made for Jesus. So the purpose of life is to know God. The purpose of life is to live for Jesus, is to bring Jesus glory and fame and honor, and is to live for Jesus. He goes on, verse 17, Jesus is before all things. That's the title of the series. Your Bible might even say he's above all things. Above all things just means he's before all things. And I love this, in him all things hold together. I love that idea that Jesus holds all things together. Think of it this way. Jesus is the crazy glue of the universe. He's holding it all together, right? Jesus is holding everything in your life, everything in this world. This building is being held together by Jesus. This galaxy is held together by Jesus. Your body and your life, it's held together by Jesus right now. And then he goes on. He says, and Jesus is the head of the body, the church, now, don't miss this. Don't miss what's happening here. It starts out with this big 30,000 view, 30,000 feet view of Jesus, because this is what a lot of us believe. Yeah, God is real, but he's out there. He's really far away, and he doesn't care about me. And so what Paul is doing, Paul is bridging that gap. He's saying, yeah, I know that you think God's real, but God's out there. Now Paul is bringing it home. He says, Jesus isn't just out there. He's the head of the church. That's us. Jesus loves the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. So now Paul is talking about the resurrection, that Jesus died on the cross three days later. He came back from the dead. He's defeated death, hell, and the grave. And Jesus is alive right now. And in Jesus, all the fullness of God is dwelling in him. And through Jesus, Jesus is reconciling all things to himself, whether on earth or in heaven. That's big. Listen, I don't know what your view is of Jesus and what he came to do, but I need you, God needs you to make it bigger. Because listen, Jesus didn't just come to die to save people. See what he says there? Jesus is reconciling all things to himself. So Jesus didn't just come to save people. Some, listen to me. Jesus came to save creation. 
Jesus is making all things new. I mean, Revelation 21 and 22, the Bible doesn't end with you and I far off out there in the galaxy somewhere and we're floating with Jesus. No, the Bible ends 21 and 22 in Revelation. Jesus comes down to earth. All of heaven comes down with him. He removes every sad thing, death and disease and all of it. And Jesus brings a renewed creation. And we're with him forever in redeemed and glorified bodies. Summit Jesus is saving the universe. And you don't seem excited. That's, nope, nope, it's too, it's too late. It's too late. It's too late. Thanks for doing that. The 930 did the same thing, and that was in my sermon notes. You know why none of us cheered and chest bumped our neighbor? Because there's gaps in our lives. Because I got gaps, and so do you. See, here's what some of you are thinking. Well, God is real, but he's out there. Oh, Jesus loves the church, but, but that person over there is who, who, who he loves. That person over there is holier. That person over there is way more spiritual. We're thinking that God is out there or God is really interested. Jesus really died for somebody who's better than me. God knows the gap. And look at what he says in the next verse, verse 21. And who? You. See that? Starts out with this massive cosmic view of Jesus, then brings it down a little bit more. Jesus loves the church, and then brings it down street level, right into your living room. And you, you were alienated by alienated from God, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. That word alienated just means isolation. We were cut off from God. And God loved us so much, we didn't want anything to do with God, but God wanted everything to do with us. So he came after us, and God saved us. And look at this. What God has done in our lives, if you're a follower of Jesus, God is so going to complete a work in our lives that one day we're going to stand in front of God perfectly holy and blameless. Thank you to the five people. I mean, you might be a hot mess right now, but did you know that the mess is ending? Amen? It doesn't matter what kind of hold depression anxiety has on your life. Depression anxiety is running on borrowed time because the second you lay your eyes on Jesus, that melts off you. Amen? 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 I'm gonna, listen, I'm going to keep preaching until you in it. All right? This is better than I think some of y'all are responding. All right? Verse 22, watch this. He says this, though. My Bible says that we're also above reproach. Your Bible might say that we're without accusation. means that the devil can't accuse you. Nobody can accuse you. If God is for you, no one can be against you. The devil's going to try to bring up your past. He's going to try to throw it at you. Other people are going to try to condemn you. But if God is for you, nobody can be against you. See, there are gaps in my life. Between everything I just said and what I feel in my heart. And here's what we need to know today. Jesus is already all of those things in that passage. We don't make Jesus above all things. He already is. Our options are to bow down and worship or to reject him. We don't help Jesus hold all things together. He already is. Our options are to trust him or to try to figure it out on our own. Jesus is already above all things. What we need God to do is fill the gaps. I mean, there's so many gaps we could talk about. I was thinking about this several weeks ago when I put this together. I was just thinking about gaps in my life. 
Think about gaps that some of you are sharing with me. And two, I think, rose to the surface. That if God would change our view of Jesus and, and melt it in our hearts, drive it in here, not here, not here, but in here, because here's where change will happen. If God drives this view of Jesus in here in my heart, it'll fill them some of these gaps, and real change can come into our lives. If God were to do that, I think two things would happen. Here's the first one if you're taking notes. If God were to do that, drive this into our hearts, begin to fill gaps with who he's telling us Jesus is, First thing we can do is we can rest. I don't mean physical rest, even though some of y'all need it. I mean rest for your soul. Jesus says, come to me, and I will give you what? Rest. Rest for your soul. Question, why would we want to go to him? Why would we want to go to Jesus? I'll tell you exactly why you want to go to Jesus. Yes, Jesus is God. Yes, Jesus is God. You want to go to Jesus because Jesus is God. Can I give you, a, can I give you maybe a more base level, street level, practical reason? Maybe you're thinking, I don't know, I'm going to need something else. Here's another one. You should go to Jesus because verse 17, Jesus is holding all things together right now in your life. Jesus is holding all things together. Together, in your life, in your circumstances, in your family, all things are being held together by Jesus right now. But for some of us, the reason that we can't stop and the reason that we're so stressed out and the reason we're freaking out on the inside and we feel like we're carrying all of the world's burdens and we're trying to solve everybody's problems, the reason that we have no rest on the inside and we're burned out and we're tired and we're aggravated all the time, the reason that we have no rest on the inside for our souls is because we think that we're holding it all together, not Jesus. I have people come to me and say, Mark, if I stop, everything will fall apart. And I say, who do you think you are? You ain't that big of a deal, bro. Right? Some of us are so stressed out about whether or not our kids are going to make right decisions. And we're so stressed out about whether or not we're going to pass the test and, and get into that school. And we're so stressed out about are they going to go to the prom with me or when are they going to ask me to go to the prom with them. And we're so stressed out about the meeting and the deadline. And we're so stressed out about this thing that happened this past week. Or some of us, everything sends us over the edge. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Don't look at them. It'll freak them out. But everything Everything just sends us over the edge. Everything is a 10 on the Richter scale. And what God wants to do is God wants to teach us rest. And see, the rest that God wants to teach us is that we begin to live in the freedom of knowing, not knowing here, but knowing here. Jesus runs the world, not us. That's good to know, isn't it? And, and listen, as you look at Scripture, as I look at Scripture... One of the ways that I just see God go back to over, God can do what he wants, but one of the ways I see God going back to over and over, just the tool that he uses in his, in his toolbox all the time to teach us, I want to give you rest. Jesus is holding it together, not you. One of the tools that God uses over and over to teach us that is that the people of God have got to stop and be still and let God tell them, I am holding all things together. And here's the thing, God so wants to teach us this that if we don't slow down, he will slow us down, right? If we don't, let, if we don't slow down, God will slow us down. I, I, um, in, in Isaiah 30, there's a crisis 
All kinds of nations have teamed together. They're going to come against God's people. And so God's people are freaking out, right? I mean, understandably, we all would. And they're thinking, oh my gosh, all these nations are going to come and kill us. They're going to slaughter us. What are we going to do? So they go to God and they say, God, what are we going to do? What's your plan? And God's plan was this. I want you to watch and wait and see the salvation of your God. And Israel said, is that all you got? (laughs) Is that it? God told us not to do anything. And they think, you know what? We've got a plan B. And every time we say, God, we don't really need what you said, we'll we'll take matters into our own hands. How many people know that doesn't go well? It doesn't go well for the Israelites. It doesn't go well for God's people. And so they try to take matters into their own hands. It kind of blows up in their face. It doesn't work out. God comes to them on the other side of the mess that they have made. And I love this verse, Isaiah 30, 15. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. Watch this. In quietness and confidence is your strength. Do something with me. Imagine this. You might even need to close your eyes. I want you to imagine the thing in your life that feels the most out of control. Do you see it? Try to witness it. Try to, try to visualize it so you can almost grab it. The thing in your life that feels so out of control right now. And now what I want you to do, I want you to see that Jesus is over that, holding all things together so you can rest. Not only will we rest, here's the second thing that we can do. We can let go. We can rest, but church, we can also let go. I mean, follower of Jesus, if you're here, you're saved, you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, it says it right here, you were alienated from God, God has brought you in, you're his son and daughter, and God's work in your life is so complete, no one can accuse you. No one can bring a charge against you. The devil can't. People on Facebook can't. They're going to try more than the devil. Huh? Hello? Right? Another sermon, another day. Um, People will try to accuse you, but if God is for you, no one can be against you. And here's what that means. What that means is, man, if I can let it sink into my heart that God is for me, irregardless of my performance, man, that I'm a son of God, I'm a daughter of God, that I'm loved by God. If that can sink into my heart, I can let go of trying to pretend that I am something that God has not made me to be. You understand? Man, if it sinks into my heart that I'm loved and accepted by God, I can let go of trying to pretend that I am what other people think that I am instead of being the person that God made me to be. And listen, being who God made you to be is not a permission slip to sin. You understand that? Being who God made you to be is not a permission slip to sin. Oh, well, this is, how, this is how God made me. This is just who I am. I can do what I want. No, no, no. Being who God made you to be is not a permission slip to sin. Being who God made us to be comes from the freedom of knowing that we are so accepted by God, no one can be against us, so we can let go of pretending. We can let go of performing. Man, I have done this for so long. And I've talked to so many people. I've had cups of coffee with so many people and counseled so many people who spent so long pretending that they do not know how to be the real person that God made them to be. Does that make sense? 
I've talked to so many people, I've counseled so many people who everybody thought was the life of the party. They were just jokesters, pranksters. They always had everybody laughing. They were just great to be around. But what nobody knew is on the inside, they were lonely and depressed. But somewhere along the way, they picked up on that people like them and will approve of them if they can make other people laugh. And so what they started to do was live pretending to be something that they're not. I've counseled so many people who look tough. You know what I mean? You know, just look, just look mean, man, and just tough. It's, it's on them the way they act and walk and, and dress. They look tough, and they're filled with insecurity. I've talked to so many. I've counseled so many people who were just cool, you know, and just they, they had made it. They had arrived, and on the inside, they were so hungry for someone to love them. I've counseled so many married couples that everybody thought they were the epitome of marriage. They're the picture of what marriage ought to look like. But the only two people in the universe who knew it was all a mask and fake were those two people because they said, we got to keep this persona up. Everybody thinks we bet we're better than we are. So in the car and at home, it's one thing, but in public, it's pretending and performing. And you are loved so much by Jesus Christ today that Jesus comes to all of us and says, drop the act. You are loved. Everybody do this. Everybody do this. I want you to take both of your hands and make fists and clench them real tight. Both, both hands. Do this with me, all right? Do this. Both hands. Make fists. Clench real tight. Just real tight. As hard as you can. And hold that. All right? Make those fists. Hold it. Why are we doing this? Because this is how some of you are living. You're just holding on. You're trying to hang on to something. And you're tense all the time. Just hanging on. Now, let it go. Doesn't that feel good? And that's exactly why God brought some of you here today. Because God says, you need to let go. You need to let go of always trying to be right. Let go of always trying to be seen. Let go of the need to be constantly in front of people. You need to let go of the need and the over-desire of being accepted and approved by other people. You need to let go of walls that you've built up to keep people out that God wants to bring into your life. You need to let go of that grudge. And you sing and you celebrate how God's forgiven you, but forgiving them, not an option. You've got to open your hands. And realize that you are so loved by God. You don't have anything to prove today. Do you know that? You don't have anything to prove in Christ. On Wednesday nights, we're doing a series right now called Emotionally Healthy Relationships. I want to invite you to it. I think it's powerful. Um, about three weeks ago, there was a quote that I, that I have not stopped thinking about. It just spoke to me. And it's from the authors Pete and Jerry Scazzaro. It's on the screen here. I'll show it to you. It says this. We have an overdeveloped outer life and an underdeveloped inner life. You know what that means? We have an overdeveloped outer life. We're always thinking about what's happening outside of us, around us. We're always thinking about the next thing to do, the places we have to go, the laundry, the dishes that need to get done, the deadline and the meeting and the practice and all of those things. We're always thinking about the life that's going on around us. And then you come to church. 
And at church, we're talking about, let's reach the world. Let's transform the world. I mean, hey, we put it on a wall out there in the lobby. Let's transform the whole world. Let's reach the world. Let's feed everybody that's hungry. Let's make as many disciples as we possibly can. Let's change the entire world. And listen, that's a great goal. Jesus said, go into the world and make disciples. But if we, look at me. If we transform the world and we are not being transformed ourselves, something is wrong. You understand what I'm saying? If we invite everybody to come, because we want to see the whole city get saved, but we're not changing. We're not becoming like Christ. Then what are we inviting people to? We might be inviting them to a show and a public gathering, but make no mistake about it, we are not inviting them to church. Because church is a group of people who are being transformed into the image of Christ. Amen? We have an overdeveloped outer world. We're constantly thinking about what's going on around us, rarely what's going on in us. For some of us, that's why we constantly distract ourselves with our phones and screens and other things, because if I stop looking at something else and if I slow down, there will be a few moments when I have to realize what's happening in my soul. And that is where Jesus wants to fill the gap. So today, I just want to give Jesus space to do that. I just want to give Jesus some space right here in this moment just to fill the gaps. What is the thing you need to let go of it? What what is the thing that you've built up that Jesus might want to tear down? Or what's the thing that Jesus wants to begin to build in your life that you've been trying to tear down? What, What is the thing in your life that you need to begin to learn how to rest and live in the approval that you already have? Where do you need to stop pretending? Where do you need to stop performing? And be who God made you to be. So I'm going to give Jesus some space here. I'm going to pray. Tim, I believe, is going to come. And we're going to give Jesus space. And I'm just going to invite everybody that wants to, to come up front and to pray. I would love to pray with you, pray over you. You can come up here and get on your knees and pray. But maybe we had so many people come in the 930 who just, they just needed to let some things go. They just just needed God to begin to fill some gaps. And here's what I would say. Here's what I would say. Get doing this, doing this takes courage. It does take courage to do this. But can I tell you that getting up out of your seat, making a move like this in church, just to say, I need God, I need Jesus to do something in my life. Making a move like that, it puts a stake in the ground to say God started something in my life on that day. And can I tell you what God starts, he always finishes. So let's give God space today to maybe start some things, to fill some things, to tear down some things and remind us that Jesus holds it all together and we are his. Would you pray with me? Jesus, right now, I just come to you and we want to give you space today. God, we want to give you space